Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, wherever you're listening in the world. This is the Right on Track podcast. I am Parry. I am Connor. I am still denim. <laughs> oh my, it's like we're covering on from the last episode. It's amazing. There's, a, there's a, an arc here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, th- see, this is the true trilogy. We've got the three of us. Mm-hmm. We are the three Thomas Tankies. The three Thomas Buskets. Harry, I don't know. Uh, so, yes, anyway, we are three Thomas the Tank Engine fans, and in today's episode, we are going to be talking about three episodes from Series 1, Coal, Flying Kipper, and Whistles and Sneezes, or as Connor christened it in the previous episode, the Henry Trilogy. Yes. Now, this series of uh, episodes is really exciting because it's the first, uh, I guess... We've had a look at Henry in uh, The Sad Story of Him. We've had a look at him um, in Edward Gordon and Henry and uh, a bit of a overview of his interactions in um, the previous trilogy. But this is, uh, I think, the first truest time where we really get to know Henry, which I think is really exciting. Mm. And what I think is the most interesting is throughout the entire series up to now... The um, 18th episode, Mm -hmm. Cole, um, it has been building up that Henry has been sick. Mm. In Thomas's train, Thomas pulls Henry's train because Henry has been feeling ill. Mm. So it has all been building up to this. There's sly comments about it. You see something vaguely in the background. Mm -hmm. It's all been building up to this trilogy. And that is one reason why I love it. No one understands his case until now. Dun, dun, dun. So, without further ado, let's jump into the first little tidbit of the episode, Cole. You're too expensive, Henry. You had lots of new parts and new paint too, but they've done you no good. If we can't make you better, we must get another engine instead of you. This made Henry, his driver and his fireman very sad. The fat controller was waiting when Henry came to the platform. He had taken off his hat and coat and put on overalls. Henry managed to start, but his fireman was not satisfied. Henry is a bad steamer, he said to the fat controller. I build up his fire, but it doesn't give enough heat. Henry tried very hard, but it was no good. He didn't have enough steam and came to a stop outside Edward's station. Oh dear, thought Henry, I shall have to go away. Oh dear, oh dear. That music, it just hits you in the feels every time you hear it. It's so sad. So mournful. So, Cole, um, as you mentioned, has been building up that Henry has been sick. And the Mm -hmm. entire reason why is that his smoke box is too small. Mm. Now, in the deeper lore of the um, entire Thomas universe, mm-hmm. um, the reason why is because Go- um, whilst Gordon isn't a zero Pacific, mm-hmm. um, very much an experimental type engine, Henry is an experimental design himself. Mm. And these plans, designed by Sir Nigel Gresley, were stolen and then paid off and then... Later, um, they were sold to the fat controller who really needed engines, Mm -hmm. um, and he got a very sick engine instead. 
It's interesting seeing all the flaws he has up mm. until now. And as you said, Connor, it's very quietly acknowledged. It's not acknowledged to the point where in every episode they say Henry is sick or Henry is ill every single time. Well, we saw in the previous episode or the previous three episodes that we reviewed in our last podcast, uh, he wasn't sick at all. Yeah. yeah, he was just a normal engine. But he didn't make that many appearances either. Well, that's a good point, yes. So, you know, that we see him there, He we see that he's annoyed. So maybe one reason why he's annoyed that he needs to do all this extra work is that he physically actually can't, hmm. as he's so sick that he's needing to sort of push himself each time. Hmm. What's interesting here is, well, I don't know whether it's just a visual thing or whether it is... Um, a part of his illness, but this is the first time I think that we see Henry... Actually, no, it's the second time we see him pulling coaches that aren't the express coaches, because in Tenders and Turntables, he um, pulls the uh, branch line coaches, the same uh, prototype as any in Clarabelle, Um, and here we see him uh, pull the old coaches that are often more associated with Edward and James. So Mm. is his uh, health uh, affecting his haulage capacity and how much he can carry rather than carrying express coaches? Now, I said somewhat jokingly in the previous episode, I think it was when we were discussing Thomas and the guard, that Henry may have depression. And we see that come to the fore in this episode because he feels miserable. He doesn't have the energy. He even says at the end of the clip we just played, I shall have to be sent away. You know, Mm. and... uh, as as we know, people who have depression, you know, they just feel miserable all the time and that just leads them to feel lethargic and then they just, to, to the point where they just can't do anything. And uh, the Fat Controller even mentions, you're becoming too expensive, I may need to replace you. Mm, we've even given you new paint. I don't see that that helps an engine, but anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, all like the warning signs that we talk about are here and it's something as you watch when you're young that, you kind of glaze over, but from a very older now psychological point of view, you can definitely understand that Henry very much falls in his character character category. Um, yeah, almost instantly with all the symptoms that have led up until now. Mm. Now, despite this being a great episode with all the subtle build up up to it, my favourite part is the infamous goof in it. So just after the gif. Uh, the little clip that we play, what happens is that um, Henry backs into siding at Wellsworth and, you know, we hear him chuffing and then with just nothing going on, just dead silence, we currently... Then we see him just lurch forward with no sound or anything. (laughs) And this was in the original version that was played. It was something that was left in by accident. Hmm. And then when they did several restored copies of it, it was still left in by accident. <laughs> um, Dan and we were talking about on how on some DVD copies you've got, it isn't there. Yeah, correct. I think in the VHS version, for some reason, it's not there. And uh, I believe um, with the uh, DVDs that they print in Australia, um, they've ripped uh, the episodes straight from the VHS quality and just transferred it to DVD. Mm. So it's the same source. Um, but I do understand that the restored versions of um, 
the first, I think, seven or so seasons of Thomas is um, from the Japanese DVDs. Um, yes. And for some reason or another, that remains um, in the footage that was available. And whoever edited it for some reason left it in there. Mm, I, we can always look at the credits and blame whoever's there, but... Mm, I, you're fired tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's been 30-odd years. <laughs> but, no, it... it it's infamous. I know it's not part of the story, but, you know, I never really questioned it as a child. And if you look really closely, and particularly the first season, there are heaps of goose in there. Like, in the very first episode, you can see a shadow of a boom mic mm. as the coaches roll past the screen there, which yeah. is quite extraordinary, because why do you need a boom mic for model railways? <laughs> That is a good point. I've yes. never considered that before. Yeah, because, yeah, all these sound effects they put in for the trains are all done in post-production through all their yeah. you know, equipment. It's interesting. I wonder if whether they thought at the time they could uh, reutilise some of the sounds uh, that they pick up on the set, maybe with a little bit of distortion added and make it sound like... My um, only explanation is that the boom mic, as we know, that they have been running on a very low budget for this entire early season. They've mm. been reusing face masks, like yes. they used Percy's and Thomas's going fishing. Oh, oh, oh yes, I'd just like to um, clarify something there because when I when we talked about those episodes, I had my facts slightly mis- mixed up, and we played a clip which actually had Thomas's face. And I mistook it for Percy's face. Yeah. But, but but I would just like to say that Percy's face does appear later in that episode. So, yes, so it does, yeah. I, I was just slightly confused. And I apologise to all our faithful listeners. I'll try not to do it again. <laughs> don't worry. I'm, Please I'm, like us. <laughs> yeah, don't, I, I mixed up two episodes last podcast, so you're in the clear. Don't worry. They're hating Everybody's me. perfect. <laughs> um, and Henry definitely isn't. Mm. But I feel that... That Goofy makes this episode for me. But, of course, after he's been sick and everything, they go that he needs Welsh coal. Mm. Mm. I don't know why Welsh coal is so special, but apparently it is. You know? it, uh, it's fr- from Wales. <laughs> so, so cool. <laughs> so that's it. We literally don't know why Welsh coal is so special. No, no, no. They go out to the ocean. They speak to the whales. They go, hey, can we have some coal? They're like, sure, it's a little damp. I don't but know. It's the salt in the coal that really does it. Everyone knows that salt increases the specific heat capacity mm. of different objects, which means that it needs to be raised to a higher temperature before boiling. We, we should definitely research this before our next episode. Yep. Why is Welsh coal so special? Yeah. It's interesting. One of my uh, favourite things about this episode, uh, from a visual perspective, is uh, post having the Welsh coal, uh, Henry goes on this wonderful trip down the main line. Um, but it's just a lovely shot, just seeing mm-hmm. him pull uh, the old coaches along. Mm-hmm. Um, I think visually, it's one of my favourite things from Series 1. But I have a lot of nostalgia. Like, all the visuals in this episode is great, apart from the goop. I mean, there's this really great shot once Henry gets his coal and he's steaming at Knapford Station. I mean, that is just majestic stuff. With so much smoke flying away. There, yes. There's actually one interesting thing I want to point out, though, because mm. they describe the process of making the fire wish with the Welsh coal. Yes. Uh, they, they put the larger coal on the outside than the smaller ones on the glowing fire on the middle. And Henry goes, oh, you're ruining my fire. How does Henry know that? Well, he could probably feel them doing it. Yeah. He could probably feel them in his firebox. Yeah, That's but, weird, man. It, but he, he doesn't know exactly what they're doing. So, like, 
what like can he see can he feel it it, it brings in the question of how do the engines feel i i've got a going theory that i'm mostly going to write up later um but how the engines they feel via sort of energy mm-hmm. so consider thermal energy kinetic energy gravitational potential energy this is like physicsy they all are based on joules and they can easy easily be transferred from one form to another so if you drop something from a height and then it goes down a ramp then it catches on fire all that energy is perfectly conserved so I, I feel like the, the engines, they sort of feel that actual energy difference and that's how they actually sort of, quote-unquote, feel things. Yeah, I, I guess that's one of the... Mysteries. The expan- I think that's probably one of the best explanations that you can give to this because, mm. like, when you eat something as a person, you can't feel that f- food travelling. Like, you can feel it kind of going into your stomach, mm. but you can't, like, exactly place where, like, oh, it's in my intestine at the moment. Or Meanwhile, with the engines, we hear them go, oh, yeah, I'm so stiff, I'm so stiff. And then even you have, um, you know, at the start of Thomas and Gordon, Thomas is slow to get up, Um and his fire's taking while. Well, it's only when the fire's actually going that he then wakes up. It's only when he receives that energy. Hmm. But that raises another interesting point, because we see in later episodes of the series how the engines are, are particularly... Uh, Percy and the Scarf, I think it is, which is the season mm. three premiere, Thomas and Percy are wide awake waiting for the firelighter. Yeah, yeah again. Mm. I, I was actually re-watching that recently and went, well, this kills my theory. Yeah, yeah, so, I so, hate that you brought it up, Parry, I, but I, thanks. Yeah, I brought it up about a dozen episodes too early, I think. Yeah. But, yeah, the continuity on this show, it sort of moves quite fluidly. Mm. It does. But, yes, Gordon receives... Not Gordon. Henry. Henry, sorry, I thought he was in his blue paint. But <laughs> Henry receives his Welsh coal... And he just goes so much faster. And by Mm. far, one of my favourite things about this episode, apart from the goof, and of course Henry's brilliant running away, is how at the end, when he's um, at Ellsbridge with Thomas, Mm. what happens is he makes a comment to Thomas Mm. um, that Thomas made to him before. Mm. So, of course, in earlier episodes, we see Henry slowly arriving at Ellsbridge Station and, you know... Thomas mocks him, you know, oh, you know, hey, lazy bones, mm. you know, why are you so slow? Why are you so late? Mm. But this then time... Henry comes out with all these comments. He and, can't and, wait and for dawdling tank engines. And he says the same thing, and I really do like that because even though that these episodes, the only relation between them is you've got two characters, one sick, one's well, mm. the sick one's now even better. Yes. The, the comments are reversed. I just really like that. It's and, a wonderful little bow. And in the TV series, not so much in the original book, but in the TV series, we actually see Thomas's face and he says to himself, oh, that cheeky engine, he got me there, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all like Have admiration. you ever seen such a thing? Yes. It's it, it, it's definitely a nice way to finish his story, I think. Uh, coming around to what we saw previously in Thomas and the Gardaways, very different what he is here. He's high on life, but mm. it's all about to come crashing down uh, very yes. soon for him. But 
for this episode, where do we rank this? Uh, well, I think in terms of story, it's pretty light. I think there's not a lot of action. There's not all that much drama to speak of. But uh, we've all mentioned the visuals. They look really it's nice. It's beautiful. The music's fantastic. And the music, of course, yeah. So I'm looking at a six of this one. Now, six isn't bad. It's, right. It, it's just... All right, you know. All right, now, Denim, what about you? What's your rating for the episode? I, th- I think I'm the same. Like, again, story is pretty light. It's where it's it's a story where not much happens, but stuff is kind of goodish, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, so, makes perfect sense. Um, so I definitely would probably rank this at a 6.5. Uh, okay, so for me, I'm a big sucker for all the visuals and the music. Mm. I'm ranking it at 7. Um, purely because of, as you said, the, the the story, it's light. It doesn't really reveal much. You know, Henry's been sick, which has sort of been subtly revealed, and, oh, now he's all better, but it's only that way for half this episode mm. before, as you said, Denim, it all comes crashing down in The Flying Kipper. Mm. Which we shall get to right now. I think we've got a clip, don't we? we yeah. Okay, let's play the clip. All kinds of ships use the harbour at the big station by the sea. There are passenger ships, cargo ships, and fishing boats also come here. They unload their fish on the quay. Some of it goes to shops in the town, and the rest in a special train to other places far away. This is the train the railwaymen call the Flying Kipper. Henry was ready at five o'clock. There was snow and frost. Men hustled and shouted, loading the vans with crates of fish. The last door banged, the guard showed his green lamp. The flying kipper was ready to go. Come on, come on, don't be silly, don't be silly, puffed Henry to the vans. The vans shuddered and groaned, trock, trick, trock, trick, all right, all right. That is better, that is better, puffed Henry. It's probably one of the most epic moments in the whole of Thomas the Tank Engine. It is absolutely, yes. We see there, there's a slow build-up with the music. We see Henry spinning his wheels and then he just sets off and it's just... Oh, I I absolutely love The Flying Kipper. This entire episode is just beautiful. I mean, I cannot stress this enough. It's such a great episode. It's... Mind blowing. Again, there's so, like, it's so focused on the one thing, but there's this massive build up in terms of um, the music and the visuals. It's at night time or early morning, uh, so it's still mm. very dark, but there's yeah, a lot. Yeah, five of, o'clock in the morning. It's so. This is, that's like breakfast radio time. I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so visually interesting, though. Like, there's so much going on at the harbour with the gantry crane mm. and all the men trying to quickly load the train. Mm. It feels very real. Yes, and then, of course, it transitions into uh, day breaking. We get Henry uh, hauling his train through the snow-covered countryside, and we've commented on this previously with Thomas Terrence in the snow, but Sodor looks so majestic covered in snow. It's absolutely wonderful to see, and there's all sorts of these uh, little um, 
for want of a better word, Easter eggs in there. We see the glow of Henry's firebox, mm. you know, red coming from his cab. Mm. And it's just absolutely brilliant. I mean, the production values on this episode, this is like two or three seasons beyond, I reckon. Everything oh, just yes. looks like so detailed. There's so much quality which has been put into it. It's just fantastic to look at. I think... For that reason, it stands out as an all-time fan favourite. Like, if you ask any Thomas fan and his dog um, <laughs> what their favourite episode is, probably about six or seven times out of ten, they'd say The Flying Kipper. Mm. Mm. It's So, for those who haven't seen this, in which case, stop listening, watch it now, then come back. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Get out of here. Um, essentially, um, late one night... Uh, Henry's driver goes, you know, your your Welsh call's been going well, um, but we're going to be up early tomorrow morning. We're going to be call, pulling the Flying Kipper. If we pull it well enough, well, the Fat Controller will you know, allow us to pull the Express again. Mm. Now, it then has that wonderful start with the fog, the dead silence as you have mm. the, you know, the f- foghorn mm-hmm. of a few ships. Mm. You can hear the old gull in there as well. Yes, and then it builds up with the music. And I feel this entire episode is actually based around to be one big build-up. Yeah, which, is, of course, is Henry's accident. And even this accident, this is probably the most spectacular accident of season one. Oh, I think so. Definitely. I, I would say the first few seasons. It, oh, ooh, okay. Well, ooh. yeah, because other we've got more action-packed things. Like, mm. I mean, we've got Bill and Ben in Heroes with a mm-hmm. massive collapsing mine. Oh, yes. Dirty objects. Yeah, it's really good. But with say dirty objects you know it's oh and then smash cut then we just see him trapped yeah and then in you know thomas terence in the snow we see oh there's a big pile of snow and boom now he's in a big pile of snow yeah. with this one we actually see the crash we happen. do we see the train coming off the tracks we see the slow motion and we actually see when thomas not thomas henry when henry <laughs> crashes into the ground we see the rails and the trucks shake. What's actually really interesting production-wise is that um, this wasn't added in afterwards. The model of Henry was just so heavy that when it lands on the set, it actually did shake the set. That's so cool. Um, But the Flying Kipper, um, I actually did a whole bunch of maths on a while ago, trying to determine a whole bunch of statistics on it. I'm keen to hear this. Um, And using the standard type of van that they used, the most popular fish in the area and the most popular kind of fish that you'd find around Sodor, mm-hmm. um, I found out that per kipper there would be 40,320 fish, mm-hmm. meaning that he would have to take the train roughly, you know, uh, twice a week. Roughly. It used to be once a month, but I revised my equations. Mm. And it's really interesting. And you can even take in how much each of the fish weigh, along with the average vans. And total, Henry is pulling about, I would say, a good 100 tonnes at this rate. And his experiment. Who consumes that much fish? <laughs> uh, entire 
city of Barrow in Furness and the surrounding towns. <laughs> I imagine so. Yeah. I, even, I even took in the average consumption of fish <laughs> per person <laughs> and how many people in Barrow and Furness. So you must have three fish. No, no, no. The average was like 10 kilos of fish. Mm-hmm. Just the whole town of Barrow and Furness is just overweight because of fish. <laughs> hey, listen, you know that big green whale? I'm telling you, it's great <laughs> fish with it. But, yeah, the accident. And, of course, the fat controller comes up to Henry. It wasn't your fault, don't worry. We'll, mm. send, we'll send you off to crew. We all knew what that meant. <laughs> and it's been referenced. It, this accident has been a big big part of the community. Mm. It's infamous, it's well-known, and Henry returns in his shape. His brand-new shape, yes. So before now, Henry's boiler was similar to Gordon, so it was sort of like a curved kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, but now he's got a new square boiler, Mm. and as of such, he has a closer resemblance to what's known as a Black Five engine. Yes. And his wheel hemisphere's gone as well. Yes, yeah, but they yeah. do return the next season. They do, which irritates me so much. <laughs> but that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> we'll get to that next season. But what I feel is up for discussion mm. is that in Sodor's history, it's people in railways, the book, mm. and Sodor reading between the lines, it is heavily implied that Henry before the accident, known as Mark I, and Henry after the accident, known as Mark II, are not the same engine. Oh. As in, they've just got an engine that is sort of similar looking and replaced him. Yeah, but there is um, a few catches to that um, fact because we actually see in later episodes people talking to Henry about being locked up in the tunnel and him remembering that, mm-hmm. yeah, for example, and a couple of the other accidents as well. Oh, yeah, the flying kipper. Gordon mentions that and off the rails and Henry storms off angrily as a result. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very interesting. And, of course, in uh, Railway Series style, mm. what happened was that um, when the Reverend was writing this... Who was actually planning on getting rid of Henry. <gasps> How dare he? No. Yes, yes, because with all the confusion of him in his blue paint mm. and then um, his sizes and dimensions were always way too different mm. and when he came across the real-life example of this, mm. which was actually an accident during the 1800s, um, he then decided to use it as Henry has a terrible accident and is completely rebuilt yes. as a Black 5 MT. And from this, all the other engines kept very real bases. Mm. You know? So that's why, you know, Edward is sort of a furnace railway and Gordon mm. is an experimental Pacific engine. Mm. And well, Yeah, mm. so we should also butt in at this point sure. and uh, mention... Uh, these stories, the first two, are from Henry the Green Engine, which was written and published in 1951 as part of the railway series. It's also the first book in the series in which the trains had numbers on their sides. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Henry was given number three, mm. So, which, which says, you know, he had some sort of special place within railway series lore. Yes, and mm. popularity because, of mm. course, Thomas was given number one because... He was the most popular engine. He was course. the most popular. So, I 
you know, Henry is the third most popular character. And he's one of my favourites, I have to say. He's just such a gentle giant, really. Yes. I relate to him as well. I I do miss his arrogant side very much. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) But, um, you know, after this, he really does change. And this entire episode, The Flying Keeper, Mm. it's a build-up to this one accident where you see this engine who has been sick. He's been given his one chance of redemption and you have the beautiful visuals. You've got Mm. the early morning glow, the firebox, as you mentioned, Denim. You've got the music by Mike and Junior Campbell, which is probably one of the best parts out there. Mm. And then it all comes to a horrific end when Henry crashes... Now, of course, there's a little part after this episode where we see Henry come back, assumably three months later, because mm. we see it's winter on Sodor, and then the next time we see Henry, it's spring mm. when he's returning, and everyone's, oh, it's Henry, he's back, and, you know, me children are late to school watching him. I reckon it's probably been longer really? since it's taken, like, you've got to consider the amount of time that it takes to rebuild an engine. Mm. I would say it's either one or two years down the track. Ooh. I would agree with wow. you there. However, this uh, episode takes place during 1935, right before the start of the Second World War. Oh. And as all those tensions rise, we know that in much later episodes, Henry should be better, but he really isn't because, you know, we've got what's the matter with Henry and a whole bunch of things, and he still needs special coal plenty of other times, Mm. even though he's still got his, you know, U-shape. I feel the reason why is that due to the Second World War, his overhaul was very rushed. Okay, Mm. that makes sense. And that is why I say it's been only a few months or else they would need another engine to sort of take care of it all. Yeah. And it also plays into how he's still sick later on. So he needs another accident. He does. It's (laughs) waiting to happen, I think. But, okay, what other rankings we're going for this episode, guys? I'm going to give it 10. Yeah. 10 out of 10. I'm going with you, Parry. This is a 10 out of 10 for me as well. Mm. 10. 10. 10 out of 10. It's unanimous. We have agreed that this is probably, I'm saying the best episode out of season one. Well, it's the best episode we've reviewed so far. Definitely. I mean, we haven't given an episode a 10 yet, and this is the first one. You you were going, giving out nines the whole time before. Yeah, just dishing them out You've only got a few more left, but... (laughs) (sighs) There's only one way we can celebrate. Yeah, with the theme. With our feature track for this episode, we're going to play Tynes Reel's orchestral cover. It's beautiful. Of the Flying Keeper. Stick around. We're going to chat about the last episode soon, but just just be graced by the epicness of this.
and breathe. <sighs> we hope you enjoyed that uh, feast for the years. That was uh, Tyne Cereals, uh, I hope I pronounced that right, uh, cover of the Flying Kipper theme in orchestral and choir uh, magnificence. Um, and we're just saying how great of a piece of music in the original version it is, but also, uh, Parry said quite funnily, um, you could pop this into a hand cinnamon soundtrack and just uh, expect it to be there. Yeah. (laughs) And no one would be any the wiser, no. Yes. So, of course, Henry Mm. has had his accident. Mm, He has. And um, one thing we'd like to mention before we head into our final episode, um, it's alluded that Henry crashed into a train, somebody's train, but it's never said, neither in the story nor the TV episode, whose train he's crashed into. Now, we've said that it's possibly James. Yes. Because um, we see him with the breakdown train immediately afterward. Yes, and um, in close analysis of the footage of the brake van before Henry mm. crashes into it. Mm. Which, by the way, like, well, like the, they were all having good cocoa in the brake mm. van in that episode, mm. but then they, oh, we need to get back to our train. Yes. That would only be the driver and fireman needing to leave, so mm. the, the guard was presumably still... Whew, Oh, uh, unless he leaped out at the last bit and said, oh, goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, See you that, in a minute. Oh, hello. What, what's this coming towards me? Huh? <laughs> but um, it is. it looks vaguely like James. However, in the railway series, it's also alluded to be a completely different engine mm, from foreign. the other railway. Dun, dun, dun. It's interesting to note as well in the TV episode that from a very far distance at the end of Henry's train, you can see Edward there too. Can you? Yeah. Ooh, go go that. go back and watch the episode, and you you will see him. He's there. Huh. Uh, I really like that. Okay then, but we better get into our final episode of yes. today's episode now, and this is whistles and sneezes. It's actually an amalgamation of two stories from Henry the Green Engine, Gordon's whistle and Henry's sneeze. Let's play the clip. Gordon was cross. Why should Henry have a new shape? He grumbled. A shape good enough for me is good enough for him. He goes gallivanting off to crew, leaving us to do his work, and comes back saying how happy he feels. It's disgraceful. And there's another thing. Henry whistles too much. No respectable engine ever whistles loudly at stations. It isn't wrong, but we just don't do it. Poor Henry didn't feel happy anymore. Never mind, whispered Percy. I'm glad you're home again. I like your whistling. Goodbye, Henry, called Gordon. We're glad to have you with us again, but remember what I said. What a pompous old so-and-so Gordon is. <laughs> but but I, I, I love that dyna- dynamic between Percy and Henry. Mm. It, it, it seems very much, you know, little green brother to the big green brother. You know, oh, don't I look up to you, Henry. There's mm. a brotherhood and going on here. It says a lot about Percy's nobility. We particularly see that much later in some of the um, later episodes of the TV series. But, you know, this is where it sows the seeds. You know, Percy's not just that cheeky little engine. He's, you know, a good friend. He really is. And even later on, Henry and Percy have very backwards and forwards in Percy's trousers. Oh, yes, of yes, course. Yes. That's a good one. Hmm. Um, but the rest of this episode, after Henry has been whistling too much... Um, which he's got a really nice whistle. Um, At Wellsworth Station, he meets Edward, where probably the most annoying sound in the world occurs. Mm. 
this shrill-toned version of Gordit's whistle shrieks through the station and goes all the way to Knapford. Um, there's something quite... Again, I, I would uh, juxtapose this with James spinning around on the, on the turntable as mm. one of the funniest scenes in Series 1. Gordon is flabbergasted. He can't stop. And he's, he's just... Uh, rolling through at full speed and he doesn't know what to do. Do, do you think people know that he's coming? I, I, I think they're not too sure, but Edward does say... <laughs> yeah, well, yes, Edward does say, you know, it sounds like Gordon and it ought to be Gordon, but Gordon doesn't whistle like that. It's There's, again, great dialogue in here and one of my favourite things that kind of goes throughout this episode is the phrase, it isn't wrong, but we just, just don't, don't do, do it. it. <laughs> Nobody mentioned whistles. Uh, and uh, that little phrase carries on a bit more. Mm. I feel it's so underrated, though. Mm. I'd really like to hear it said a bit more. It, it's, it just feels a very railway series. It does. Mm. And I feel like it really ties this episode together. Like, it does feel like the story is in two very different parts, but... Um, it does work here as well because mm. it comes up more than once as we find out. But, yes, so Gordon goes all the way to Knapford whistling uh, like a madman before he then is taken, taken, you know, away in disgrace and Workman knocks his whistle back in shape. Mm. Oh, that would be the most painful job in the world, wouldn't it? I mean, you've got this really high-pitched noise. right next to you. Yeah. They've got a close-up shot of, like, the hammer hitting mm. the whistle with all the steam escaping. But um, You think about how loud a steam train whistle is in real life. Mm. Imagine that. Put yourself right next to it and have it going non-stop until you stop it. Mm. Yeah, not fun. <laughs> but um, then, of course, Henry just says to him, no one in particular, it's not wrong, but we just don't do it. Mm-hmm. And a- then a- that leads into the second part of the episode. Yes, mm. which I feel, I don't know whether I like it or dislike it, because mm. this is, as you mentioned, Parry, mm. a mixture between Henry's sneeze and Gordon's whistle, mm. um, merged into one episode, Whistles and Sneezes. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how to feel about that either, because I feel these could be two full episodes. I don't really see why it's necessary to combine them together. True, but then they also um, already feel like full episodes themselves. Mm. So I, just from this, I feel like each individual story... It's short, it's sweet, it's done nice and fast, and I like that. Mm. And it's very much that way in the books as well. I mean, mm. uh, it, they're just over within a couple of pages. And exactly. Uh, uh, we should also mention there's actually five stories in, in the Henry Railway the Green series Engine. Book, yes. Yes, and the other one, which later takes place in the third season, and we've previously alluded to, is uh, it, Percy in the Trousers. Yes. Isn't it? Correct, yeah. yeah. But I think in the book it's called The Scarf for Percy. Isn't it the other way around? Okay, we need researchers. (laughs) Don't worry, I'll get back in 30 seconds. Uh, So while Connor's doing our research, I'll just uh, briefly summarise the second part of the story. So Henry goes under this bridge, as he does every single day, and he expects to see these boys wave at him, but instead they throw stones at him, damage his paintwork, damage the coaches, and everybody's really cross about this. I mean, they stop the train, the passengers get out, and then the driver says to everybody, don't worry, I've got a plan. Henry's going to sneeze at them. And the viewers at home are left bemused, and then 
as the episode continues, we later find out that they're... What are they doing, Denim? They're sort of like stuffing his smoke box or something yeah, like that? Yeah, they're, they're building up all the debris. Yeah, the soot and ashes yeah. and what have you. Yep. And then once they get to the bridge, they let all that go and the boys now have like all sorts of... All covered in soot. Yes, yeah, so all, all covered in soot. That they are. Um, yes. I've come back from my brief research, yes. as we are professional. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The TV series version is called A Scarf for Percy, and no, the railway series version is called Percy in the Trousers. There, there we go. go. Um, now, P lets out that sneeze, and now we are analysing the TV series here. That we are. Um, however, the actual book itself has been republished multiple times. Oh, yes, I know what you're about to yes, yeah, me too. I, I, I'm not going to go too far into it, but... Um, I recommend researching it yourself because there are certain things that we can't really say on podcast air. Mm. Um, but um, the Reverend Audrey used a very bad derogatory... Der- derogatory. Thank you. Term. Mm. Um, we're talking about the children instead of saying as black as soot. Yeah, they used another term. Let's leave yeah. it at that. Yeah, we'll yeah. leave it as that. Yeah. It caused quite... But what's interesting, they don't even mention the soot here. Mm. So... Um, in the actual controversy that started from that story, hmm. um, that controversy was in 1972. Mm-hmm. And this story here, which was aired in 1984, 1985. 84. Yeah, 84, 84. I think... Uh, they didn't use it. It does a really good job of just using the music and the visuals again, which mm. yeah, Series show 1 does tell. so well. Tele- yes. Television is a visual medium, so they don't really need to explain, oh, look, they're covered in sorts and they're black all over. Yes, uh. yes, and... It does that well. It does. As you've got sort of the stuffed-up Henry face, which yes. is probably one of my favourite faces. One of the, the most peculiar as well. Mm. Mm. And then when it goes, now, in the middle of, you know, Henry's theme, you've got a Dylan Dylan. Yes. Yeah. If you know what I mean. I do. I know exactly what you mean. You, you can visualise it as I do it. Mm. Listeners at home or uh, wherever you may be, if you've watched the episode, you'll also understand. Mm. Mm. We recommend that you watch Whistles and Sneezes UK version or US version. Yeah, Depends great great use of musical cues in both. Yes, mm. in, in, in the entire series. Yes, um, the entire show. Yeah, the, the, all of it. The, especially in the early series, and mm. this episode's a great example, the music really plays into assisting mm. uh, the visuals. So, like uh, Den and I mentioned episode one... Um, on how when Gordon goes, look, Henry's laughing at me, you just have a little... It works. Which sort of sounds like someone laughing, but it is also music. We know it's music, but it kind of interjects with what the character's doing. Exactly. There is a sort of similar thing in this episode, how Gordon's running through the station and his theme music builds up, and then as he speeds through Wellsworth, it fades down again. Yes. (laughs) That's really clever. There's something really kind of very meta about uh, what exists in the world of the story Mm. and um, all the non-diegetic and diegetic sounds that are happening Mm. as well. Um, There's probably a really interesting analysis on it, but it's very... Uh, very pantomime almost. Mm, because in real life, of course, um, the sound would sort of play like that with sound getting closer, its frequency's higher, it's much louder, then it goes away, and then it fades out quickly. 
whilst we've got that here, as you said, Parry, mm-hmm. it's Gordon's theme. So is there just, you know, a band aboard each train just <laughs> playing their theme? That has happened in the show as well, which is quite funny. Yes, I would love if they just had an entire thing where all the engines are trying to have the best theme. Some marimbas. Yeah, yeah, an, an engine of many themes. There's a new story for you, Mattel. There you go. Take it. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Another really interesting thing that we've spoken about in previous episodes that's come up in this one is the return of the schoolboys. Yes. yes. And this time they're playing a bit of a, you know, antagonistic role. That they yeah. are. Yeah, and uh, I love that there's no real particular characterization around them they're very general and the thing that they're doing is probably what all teenage boys would do at that time they go oh look a train let's throw rocks at it because that's metal yeah that's fun um, a friend of a friend actually well he wasn't really a friend he was just some random kid he observed but a friend, an acquaintance of a friend of your second cousin twice removed uh, a person well, yes to, to that effect um, he actually witnessed somebody throw a rock at a train the train wheels no less and it just burst upon impact wow yes. yeah so that that speaks volumes don't mess with trains <laughs> exactly yeah. um, no, I'll get your own back yeah <laughs> um, actually um, what's really interesting that I'd like us to do and analysis was there were a bu- there was a bunch of stories released known as a bad day for thomas and friends mm-hmm. which covers a whole bunch of you know accidents and is supposed to teach safety so you have someone you know n- too close to the platform or you have someone's balloon nearly get hit by wires or something mm-hmm. and it's like oh this is bad this mm-hmm. is dangerous don't do it mm-hmm. but it is written by I think Christopher Audrey. Yep. So it's still very canon, mm. uh, in a sense. There it is indeed. There was actually who was it? Roald Dahl. That's right. He also wrote a book on rail safety, and it's actually quite amusing. So if you mm. do find a copy, you know, definitely read it. Yeah, I think uh, the interesting link between Dahl and Audrey here mm. is that they both have a wonderful way of playing with. Just linguistics and dialogue. Yes, absolutely. And I think I can imagine both those books being so uh, different from one another, but at the same time having that whimsical charm as yes, well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So rankings go. Uh, this episode's good. Of course, we're coming off from a big high with a, you know, unified 10 out of 10 for the Flying Kipper. Yes, I wonder um, how many times it's going to happen as we go through these episodes. True, it might true. be the only time it does happen. Yeah. Maybe. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, um, it is a nice reintroduction to Henry. Mm. We've got Gordon making fun of him, mm. you know, having that the two biggest engines are at each other, which I really like. I wish we got more of this. We did get some of this in the CGI series with mm. Henry and the Express, uh, but I think it would have been great to have a few more episodes in the first maybe two or three seasons where we got some of this more. So rankings go, I'm going to probably place it at a 6.5. You know, it's good, it's not bad, um, but as we say, I feel like that it could be stretched into two separate episodes. Mm. They've done it well, um, combining it into one, but I, I just want more Thomas. Yeah, I, I want more episodes to watch. 
I don't think, speaking of which, I don't think Thomas, like, you only see him at the beginning of this episode. Yes, mm. you don't even see him at all Yeah, after that. <laughs> so, good, good on them, mm, yeah. especially in today's climate with lots of complaints about him. He in... has to be in every episode. <laughs> yeah. But, no, that that's one charm about the early series mm. on how it wasn't um, a story about this one engine and the others, it was a story about a family working together. Yeah, and mm. it was very much the same in the original books by Reverend Audrey. It was mm. about the railway as a whole. It wasn't just about Thomas the Tank Engine. It was uh, the railway series. Exactly yeah. right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of my rating, I'm a bit more generous than you, Connor. I'd go as far as to give it an eight. Like, like you, I don't like the way they split the stories, but, you know, they're both charming and endearing. True. Yeah, and they both have this theme of Henry getting back at people so you know it's a pretty good episode I think now Denim yeah I I think I sit in between you both I think this one definitely has comedic value there's definitely some nice visuals but at the same time it's one when I compare it to others I tend to glaze over it it's a bit of a an aftermath of a, a really big high episode the Flying Kipper and it feels like stuff happens but it's business as usual, so I'm going to give it a 6.5. Yeah. So so when you say you're in between Parry and I, you mean you you're exactly the same score. as me? <laughs> yes. Got yes. it. Yeah. S- see that, Parry? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm the middle man. In the, I'm like a sandwich, really. We've got 6.5, 8.6.5. It's, yeah. it's in the middle. Don't yeah. worry. You're, you're like, we're, we're the pieces of bread. Yes. You're the feeling that everyone really likes. Oh, even though I only came to this one episode after you two did. But anyway. It's all good. That, that was like the pilot episode, which, um, you know, we pre-record these. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, sort of aired last week for us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And the many years that you listen to this now. Or weeks. <laughs> weeks, Yeah, we, ha- we have no idea when we're going to release this episode. It could be tomorrow. It could be, you know, next year, potentially. If we, if we release it tomorrow, we've got a lot to release before that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, from all three of us, thank you all for, you know, your support of this series so far. We hope that you stick around as we continue. We're overwhelmed by the uh, positive response uh, that we've received so far, so we definitely really want to extend the thanks and uh, to the support of the Sin community, but to the support of the Thomas fandom as well, and to uh, the support from people who just generally enjoy nostalgic things like Thomas. Yeah, so Indeed. whether you're watching this because you like the show, whether you're watching this because it's got us three, or you want that nostalgic value, thank you. Indeed. Now, remember, you can like our Facebook page. We've also got a Twitter handle and an Instagram handle, which is... Right on Track Thomas. Yeah, and an email address as well. Right on Track Thomas at gmail.com. <laughs> there we go. So if you want to get in touch with us through those means, please do, because we love sharing these episodes with you and we love hearing your feedback. But I've been Connor. I've, I've been Parry. I've been Denim. I almost cut you off there. <laughs> My <laughs> apologies. This has been the Right on Track podcast. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. See you later. We'll catch you next time.